Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Agile for Humans listeners, Ryan Ripley here. Just want to give you a quick message before the show. This episode was actually recorded in Germany during a dinner with a lot of trainers. We had a great time talking about leadership. I hope you enjoy it too. Um, we're going to jump right into a conversation that was just getting started, so you haven't missed too much. Also wanted to announce there's a lot of things going on with Ryan Ripley and company. This year has been uh, really awesome. A lot of great classes forming up. If you want to know more about how you can join me in a scrum.org course, go to ryanripley.com slash classes, teaching advanced scrum master, professional agile leadership, product ownership, uh, a lot of great things going on there. I'd love to see the Agile for Humans community in these classes. I think you'd get a lot out of them, and I'm sure you would add to them as well. All right, that said, let's jump into the conversation. Again, this is from Ulm, Germany, just a few weeks ago. Had a great time talking to these fellow trainers. Really interesting ideas around creative and reactive leadership. But I'll stop talking and let's get right into it. Welcome to Agile for Humans. Our goal is to bring humanity back into the world of software delivery with agile values, principles, and practices. We gather top agilists from around the globe to share insights and help you grow as servant leaders in your organizations. We seek to open minds, change hearts, and deliver value into the world. Now here is our host, professional scrum trainer and agile practitioner, Ryan Ripley. Unpack it, Will. All right. So let's so let's look into this and the way it's been this has been explained to me and I'm I'm kind of kind of going off what Simon has uh, has has explained to me just now is basically there's 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 two coins to leadership two signs of the same coin um, where one is one is creative and one is reactive and on the reactive side, you as a leader are currently reacting to what is <laughs> happening all around you and what your people are doing. 
and depending on if your orientation is more into into people or the tasks that you're trying to reach uh, or that you're trying to accomplish um, this this results in, in in a variety of styles of behavior so you might you might with all of the best intentions right because people do tend to act from the best of intentions um, but it might result in in a command and control approach because you're very very focused on achieving what you're trying to achieve that's, and you're just trying that's reactive right? yeah that's reactive so you're just trying to get people to go along with you to do what it is that you're trying to achieve or you might be heading more into uh, into a protective approach where you're um, where you where you have this idea of a community of an organization that you've created and anything that affects that is a potential threat so you're you're kind of protecting that you're protecting the people you're protecting the tasks they're trying to do and but that 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 is very limiting to the people around you because you're constantly reacting you're constantly trying to uh, to alter their behavior to some kind of idea you've had so the flip side of this is a creative approach and again correct me if I'm wrong here um, where from a command and control approach you go into a more visionary approach where you inspire people and you create the room for them to fill with their self-organization with their ambitions where from a protective approach you go into more of an authentic approach where you present yourself from your from your values and from the things that you find that you find important and, and, and your actions that you find important and you allow people to mirror that authenticity and respect that authenticity. So while the net result of this might be the same from a business perspective, the way the people approach this is and the way that you approach it is from a markedly different perspective where you go from hard leadership, like the traditional kind of leadership, to more of the servant type of leadership so would you say there's and so so will I, I appreciate you walking through that would you say that there's actually space for both modes to exist in a modern organization so if you uh, so ident identify yourself first please sir <laughs> this is Ryan, my good friend Ryan. Simon Bork yeah and Ryan. he's we're, we're in where are we at we're in what is the name of this city Blaustein Blaustein which is close to Ulm so Which we're near Ulm, Germany, and uh, we're at a scrum.org steward face-to-face -face and liberating structures course. And so we're talking about the creative versus reactive styles of leadership or stances of leadership. And, and I find this endlessly fascinating because we run into both of these in our, in our modern organizations. And the question I posed is, is one, is it, is it still valid to be reactive? And, I, and I'm curious because I think Simon's about to jump in and, and yeah. give us an answer to this. I'm reacting to your question. So you're going to be reactive and in, in, in <laughs> dispelling the idea that reactive is still valid. I don't think that if so. So the idea is that it's not a matter of, of valid behavior. It's just like describing behavior of leaders, right? It's either you're creative or you're reactive. Okay. And if you want to have the best success for your organization, what you want to do is to empower your team with creative behavior. It's to be creative with your, your team. Like, how do you want to show up as a leader with your team? 
you want to be like reactive, uh, either protective, like you you want to protect yourself, or or, or do you want to like be authentic and point out like and and the, the flaws or the, the errors or the the misconceptions, so so that the team can work together to fix them, or is it that you want to be creative uh, by having a vision? and establishing a, a strong vision so that people align and it's all about leading that these people so so so, so, so if my i right? want my want when i'm sitting in an executive role is to deliver that's what i'm being told by my ceo to do and so when and, and so let's root this because i actually I, i like this dichotomy of of creative versus reactive um, but let's say something stunning in the market occurs let's say a president decides that he's going to do something that's counter to what uh, the market believes is correct and that's not any uh, no one take offense let's let's pretend that this is you know 40 years ago and some other president made a decision that the market didn't like right now you as a company have to respond to that I, can you be reactive in that space, or, or are we setting up teams to be creative and that they can see that coming? There's kind and, of an, there's kind of an interesting approach to this because well, who are you, sir? I'm so I'm I'm Wilbert Salem. Um, right, thank you. Yeah. So so let's take um, let, let's let's make this a bit simpler. So let's 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 take this to a bit of higher level level abstraction. So um, question to Simon: Would you argue that? A reactive leader is one that thinks for his people, whereas a creative leader creates space for his people to think. So it's about space, but Ryan's um, example here is more about task-oriented. So yeah. you have two types of people, people-oriented or task-oriented, and he's like in the other sphere of task-oriented. Yeah. And the challenge that he has is like deliver something. So, if you want to talk about reactive behavior of someone who wants to deliver something, he's going to be like driving for perfection, right? That's the reaction that you're like dri driven for to deliver something. You're looking for perfection. You're you're going to be driven. You're going to be like command and controlling. You're going to give tasks and stuff like that. You're going to have like high ambitions, your ambitions. You want to change states. You want to like go up a level in the ladder kind of stuff in the company you're gonna you're gonna have your own set of rules you're gonna like pretend that the the rules of the community of the company they don't apply to you right because you're task oriented the most important thing is to deliver things so that that's all reactive stuff this is gonna impede your team and your company to really achieve high performance on a long term on a long-term process so in terms of creative behavior you're gonna you're gonna make decisions right you're gonna have a vision you're gonna establish a strong vision so that the team can can team up and and go towards that vision um, you're gonna be measuring the right metrics that will help you to um, better deliver what you need to deliver kind of stuff right would you agree Ralph So uh, I think what I'm wait, hearing. Wait, who are you? So no this voice. is this is this is Ralph Chokam. Sorry, I was not identifying myself. And what book did you write, Ralph? I wrote the book together with the Don McRill, the professional Scrum product owner. Awesome, thank you. So how would you address Simon's concern? I think what I was hearing from Simon strongly was the difference between effectiveness and efficiency, or outcome and output. So I think if you're um, Reactive, you're more like output focused. Like I need to get things done. I need to be really efficient. I need to be more efficient than my 
competition. Uh, the more efficient I am, the more output, the better I will be. And if you are uh, creative, I think you, you create this uh, room for the right outcome. And this goes then also back to having a clear vision about this is what we want to achieve and you create the room for your people to actually find answers to the different problems that you have. So, so would, would, you then, would you then argue that the creative creates more room to think for others and for self-organization to take place? Yes. Whereas the reactive is more, do, do this, I've already thought of the right answer, just generate this output because I've already seen that this output will generate this outcome. Yes. So now uh, some managers out there are probably like ready to shut this off. They're like, all right, I've got work to go do and things to deliver. They still have a role in this, right? Aren't, aren't they setting the boundaries for this creativity? Well, vision, vision would still need to be established. Right. Um, and I think some, some of the other things you mentioned, um, not, not just vision, but also that definition of quality, that way you want to approach the market, kind of these boundaries within which self-organization takes place are still going to need to be set with someone that has, that has an appearance of this. But I think the attitude you have in how you, how you set these boundaries and how you involve people with them are going to make all the difference. So let's dig into one of those really difficult questions, right? So I'm, let's, say I'm, let's say I've been a, at a director level before. Maybe I have been in a past life. And I, I got promoted because I was able to control things and I was able to impose my will and I was able to push things to completion and I was able to do all these things. And those skills got me to this place where I was successful. Why would I ever switch? Like why, so you're talking to like this person who threw uh, a reactive stance. And I don't, I don't want reactive to be, have a negative charge to it. Reactive is just, it's a neutral, this is a way that people show up, just as creative as a way that people show up, right? They can lead to different outcomes. But if I've been in this stance and I've been successful, and I've been promoted, where we seem to deliver things, we seem to have customers who are still using our product, why would I ever even venture into the top half of this circle? It's, it's, it's a valid question. Is it, is it still working for you? And, 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 and if that is the case, then... Uh, and I'd like to yeah. inject the, the, the Peter principle. But how do you know? <laughs> how do you know that it works? And, yeah. and I say this, I, yeah, I have a... How do you know it works? Yeah, I have, I have a background in, in very large multinationals. With, with multiple layers of management. And one of the things that I know is from, from things to get to, to the floor where things happen, every level up, there's a level of abstraction. And, and at, about, at about level four or five, there's no longer any connection with the actual company. There's Excel sheets with numbers or there's some sort of drill down. And those reports are not always accurate. And a lot of those reports, especially in, in, in organizations that come from a more command and control style, are more output and activity driven. So what do you see in these? You see that a lot of people are busy, that a lot of hours are being made, and that, and that, that a lot of contracts are being sent out. But does it tell you anything about the effectiveness of what, what it is you're doing? So that, that would kind of be my question there. If that has brought you to where you are today, how do you know? I know because I can, so in that role and with many of the, and as a VP and, and working with fellow VPs, I know because I'm still employed, I'm still collecting the check that I'm, I, that I'm used to, the bonuses are coming through and, 
you know, people are generally happy with the work. So that's so that's an internal thing. That's yeah, your yeah. internal world. Absolutely. But, but 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 your company does not live in a vacuum. So that I mean, very fair point, Simon. What do you think? I think I think um, the way you show up to your team. If you want to measure that, you should probably ask your team. And there's a, there's a there's a way to to ask them. There's some questions you can ask them to see if you're more in a reactive position, or if you're acting more in a creative position. And that's going to tell you if you're you have an opportunity to have a better team, even better. Like if it's working for you right now, if your management style is working for you now, this is going to tell you yes. Uh, you can improve and yes it's going to make an impact in the market because as a leader if you show that example as a leader to be creative then the company will will show up as a creative company as well right so i've been in that situation before so i was sitting at a dinner once uh with a with a senior vp who i reported to and he's sitting with uh so what i actually miss right i miss the camaraderie of a of a, of a management team. There's really like some amazing things that happen when you get into management. I'm not anti-management by any stretch. I think it's a, I think it's a very valid profession. I think it's a needed profession. Um, I think these people are amazing when they work across org charts to empower and enable people to do amazing things. I think they do amazing things. And I'm sitting at this, uh, this dinner with our AVP, with our, our senior VP, And he turns to us, and there's like five of us who are reporting to him, and he goes, Hey, uh, do y'all think I'm a, I'm a servant leader? We're sitting in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, right? And he, uh, so the y'all comes out, and he goes, Y'all think I'm a, I'm a servant leader? And I go, Oh, no. Oh, no. And all I see the other four eyes drop suddenly, but then they, go, they focus right back on him. And, and they all lied to him. And they waited for me, the lightning rod of the group, to tell them how it was. And I just, and, and for a split second, in that position where the, he, the, they asked the team, they asked the management team, I thought, wow, is this a hill I'm willing to die on? And then I was like, you know what, let's do this. I'm like, no, absolutely not. I think you are reactive. I think we manage projects very uh, interestingly. I think we, we get things across the finish line. I think we get a lot of tasks done. We got a lot of work done. But I also think when it comes to the end of a project, we uh, will de-scope half of the, the product that we were planning to build, we'll hand off to the next person, we'll make sure we're not the ones holding the bag, we'll make sure we're not the blocker, we'll make sure that the next team down the pipe has the issues, not us, and then we move on with our day, we, we swipe our hands and we say good. And along the way, you're telling us at each step, don't be holding the bag, don't be holding the bag, do what you can, push the teams, data, and that led to the one of the worst discussions I've ever had because suddenly, you know, because when you're on a management team, you always have your friend, that person that reports to the VP with you. And so he jumps in. He's like, yeah, you know, Ryan's got a few points here, you know, but maybe he was drinking. At, I wasn't drinking at the dinner. He's just trying to get us out of trouble because he knows what this is going to blow up into. But it was really one of those weird conversations that it ended up, I mean, it felt career limiting. Like I had just made a mistake. Um, But this was a reactive person who believed he was a servant leader. He believed he was creative. But when you look at it, he had a magic spreadsheet that we would put all of the methods and testing scripts and into, and it would generate out this estimate for a product or a project. And it would, um, and then we would have these big reports.
reports we would provide and he would manage them weekly and we'd have to meet with them and if we were just a smidge off of the plan we'd have to justify it and have it go to green and I mean it was very much controlled but this person thought in his mind like his perception of himself really was no I'm creative and I'm a servant leader and I'm coming up with creative solutions what do you do with that like I think this is the the chasm that the agile community really has to cr- have to cross. Like we ha- when we talk about the reactive, right? We and the creative. When we talk about empowering people and empowering teams and being a servant leader, I think half the world, the Fortune 500, hears that and they go, "Yeah, but I've got work I got to go and do." Mm. And there's VPs like this who are like, "But I'm already there." Well, right? that's that's the interest. I'm 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 triggered by by conversations I conversation recently I, I was teaching a in-house product owner training um, to to a company in the Netherlands that that assists other companies with going to renewable energy uh, I was introduced to them by another trainer uh, uh, Guido Bosco John um, is Guido at the table? Guido is he at is. the table. Hey, He's about Guido? to throw a curveball, but I'll, yeah. I'll wait for a couple minutes. So, so, so during that training we were talking about um, you know how do you measure success and uh, we were going, we were going up that maturity curve of activities, output, outcome, impact. And I challenged that group to write down how they measure the success of their work. And so he and their and their um, their their CIO were uh, they they went off and they filled out a lot of things at impact. And one of the things they filled they they filled in is. Um, you know, we 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 look at the percentage of renewable energy used in the markets we operate in, and if that is increasing, thanks to us, that means we're doing good stuff, and we deserve getting money for that. And one of the ways they also used to visualize that was these um, they have uh, they have these torches at uh, chemical plants where they where they burn excess fumes off. And one of the way one of the things their founder did was actually have a picture of that <coughs> on the wall. And if it was getting smaller, that means that company was achieving its its goal. So this was, at the face of it, a very visionary, vision-driven company. Um, but what we find out is, they weren't the only people there, and the and 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 the teams working there actually didn't put that um, on their impact. So the way they described their impact was in terms of. But mostly output, actually, because it was very, very internally driven. So one, of the, and because that's what they started doing, they also started pulling in more reactive styles of leadership towards them because they they, they positioned themselves in such a way. So this turned into a pretty vicious circle where the the leadership, as a result, felt that their vision wasn't being realized by the rest of their company. They were getting frustrated that people didn't share their vision which also caused them to take a much more reactive stance. So even though the, vision, the creative vision was there, um, they, they were kind of baited into, and this was a very vicious circle kind of thing, they were, they were baited into a reactive mode of leadership. So, But I, I think, Guido, you were about to throw a curveball at me on that. Well, not especially on this case, but looking, if I hear you guys talk about creative versus reactive and what we'd like leaders, which role we'd like to pick. I do feel you guys favoring the creative role heavily because it creates space for other people to flourish and give them a vision and and do their thing. That's why we hired them in the first place. I would agree. 
On the other hand, though, we celebrate diversity within teams, right? And we celebrate different personalities within teams that probably makes them successful. Um, if we are looking at a leadership role, isn't it the combination of both creative and reactive people within the leadership role that actually gets a company going and make sure they, from both the vision, get stuff done? I mean, if we all just put a bunch of creative people in a boardroom, wouldn't they just be talking about stuff without ever finishing anything? I think, Simon, you said they were exclusive. I don't, I don't believe that a reactive person will tremendously help the company um, a creative person will bring the company in a different like level of performance that's what I'm saying uh, like a, a, a reactive leader may have success a creative leader will have success so well, well you know it really depends on on the market at, you know as well but the way I'd like to, to look at it right now is like let's say you want to cook something and you open the recipe book and you get all the ingredients and and you would say basically reactive would be I want to do this this is all I need and he would bring out all his demands and other things because this is otherwise you wouldn't know how to do it but I think a creative person they just would open the fridge and just say well this is what I have there uh, what's the best possible outcome the right. best possible meal I could create with what I have in the fridge and I think this is something where you need to have creative mindsets and people stepping out of their comfort zone to, to come up with innovative solutions for problems and, and if you always think in the same pattern about I want to do this and I, for this I need to do that uh, you can't really progress into new areas. But, Sjoerd um, Kranenonk uh, here, um, is this the same creativity we mean? I mean, creativity in cooking up something from ingredients you find is, in my opinion, something entirely different than creative leadership. Creative leadership is about creating space for others to be creative. Uh, so so it's, it's, it's like, creating space for your ingredients to self-organize into a nice meal. It's not the same as... But, I mean, aren't people also an ingredient? Let's say, this is the people I have. All right, so I... And I could tell them what they need to do, and maybe they're not capable of doing that, but by, by create, giving the space for them to grow, to, yeah. to find the ways to, to achieve something. Simon, Simon's pulling up a model. Yeah, mm. the, like, this is, a, this is a leadership circle that... The, like that explains or that explains like different sections of the creative and reactive things and then there's like the re the, the people that are more focused on relationship mm. which like is creating space for people how like to do their work and then enabling people to mm. do their work and stuff like that and there's like people or leaders that are focused on tasks Okay, so if you're focused on task and then you, you want to be um, re, uh, creative, uh, you're going to make decisions. You're going to say, we're going there, right? Um, you're going you're gonna to look at the right metrics. You're going to look at outcomes that will bring your, your that will show success basically, right? Um, you're gonna have like this vision, you're gonna have this strategy that will bring the vision into like a material or something like that. It's totally different than saying, um, enabling the conversation. It's gonna, it's totally different from asking or challenging a team of something, of an idea. It's like when you're task-oriented and you're a creative leader, you're gonna make decision. You're gonna have a direction, you're gonna have a vision, you're gonna have a strategy, you're gonna go somewhere. If you're focusing... Excuse me, can we make the bell? 
Sure. Yes. I'll have another one, actually. <laughs> I think we might need to pause the podcast at this point. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good to 11. So. Okay. Come now. But yeah, yeah, sure. So some people uh, participating on the show might need to close their tabs. <laughs> <laughs> However, I, I, the creative versus reactive, right? I, I find this kind of endlessly fascinating. I, I'm the steward for PAL. Ralph here is a steward for, for product owner uh, with Scrum.org. And we struggle with these questions continually in our courses, right? So how do we, from a product owner perspective, right? Definitely a, a leader, a leadership role. And sometimes something just needs to get done. How do you do that in a creative space? You make a decision. What decision? So, but isn't that reacting? No, no. You need to make prioritize. So, so this is a new. So this is the switch. Like I think this is the important point. This is where people miss. So Simon, I want help me with this. Okay. So if you would be reacting and you need to do something, if you would be reacting, you would say, Ralph, you're gonna do this. Guido, you're gonna do this. Ryan, you're gonna do this, right? And Will, you're gonna do this, and we're gonna verify at the end, and it's gonna work, right? That's reacting. I'm, <coughs> I'm telling you what to do, and you guys are relying on my, you know, vision that is not transparent, you trust this so that it's gonna, it might work, right? A creative way might say, this is more important than this, like you're prioritizing something. Oh, so prior, oh, oh right? I you're, like this. You're prioritizing, you're making a decision, you're like dropping something over something else, you're saying, this is how we're gonna win, right? And then you can let the, the, the team decide how they're going to do it, but you need to like clarify this vision. And if you find that the vision is not clear, you need to like step up and clarify your vision. How hard it is to like clarify a vision? Tell me, Ralph. Uh, I think it's um, now in the context of, of product ownership, it's really important to have a, a clearly communicated vision about what you want, not even what, but why you want to achieve something. I think if people understand the underlying why, you can let them go loose and find creative answers to to the not foreseen problems they will face anyway. I mean, we operate in the complex. Well, can you define a good why and a bad why? Like, if, like, is is that clear enough as a question? <laughs> So a bad why would be because we want to make money. Yes. So I think the why should always be this amount. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the why, why should always be the, the why should always be uh, end user oriented. Like the which the question always who is going to benefit from what we are going to do and how are they going to do benefit? And I think this is this is the for me the driving question. So it's not that the com people come to the company. No, we have to attract the customers to buy our products or services. Didn't uh, Simon Sinek do... Um, the Golden Circle, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So he did the, the Golden Circle. He did a TED Talk. <clears> and he <throat> featured Steve Jobs in it heavily, where he talked to the... And, and this, I think this could be interesting, right? So uh, Apple with Steve Jobs had a why. It was to make innovative products that made people's lives better. That's what he wanted to do. Um, unfortunately, you know, with, with the passing of Steve Jobs, 
every person that I've talked to, so I'm, I'm wearing, just so that people are like, oh, he's a biased. No, I, we're recording on an Apple iPhone. I'm wearing a Series 4 Apple Watch. I think every person at this table has... Almost. Almost every person. Guido is a, an exception, but almost everyone has an Apple Watch on their wrist. We are, we are homers to the end for Apple. But since the loss of Steve Jobs and that dilution or the vagueness of the why coming into place, like the lack of innovation in the in the in the MacBook Pro, like that bar that they put on it was trash and it didn't make the people are actually looking for 2016 and 2015 versions so of the MacBook MacBook touch Pro. And, uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're they're actually finding previous versions and upgrading hard drives and trying to make them last because the new version is trash. The you know my my wife. Love her dearly. I always get her the new iPhone. It makes her happy. I've looked at her at her the iPhone X. I'm happy with my seven plus, uh, right? I don't see a, a compelling reason to upgrade. I think I think there's an interesting interesting thing as well when you're when you're looking at the why. One of the things Sinex said also about Apple is you're not just happy buying a laptop from them. You're also happy buying a phone from them. You're happy to buy yeah. a set top box made by them. Uh, they did servers for a while. They did Wi-Fi uh, for a while with the airports, and people were perfectly. There's people still attached to their airports, um, which is which is once if your if your why is clear and you're you're very clear on the type of customer need you're trying to answer and the impact you're trying to have on the market, then this opens up a wide space of solutions you can offer. And I think for a more recent example, there's been a recent interview with Elon Musk in Recode. Um, where they talk about some of the recent problems Tesla has, and at one point he 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 gets into why Tesla exists because on the face of it, starting a car brand in America is ludicrous because everyone except for Ford has already gone bottoms up, and Ford's and close. Ford's about to. Yep. Um, so that makes no sense. But then when you look at how he how he defines the success for his company. Isn't isn't the amount of sales he has, or the or the tremendous market penetration he has, or, or the amount of users, or whatever? What he says about that stuff is, we've we forced every other car brand to start doing electric cars, and we've probably accelerated this field by five to ten years. Um, and the weird thing is, he does that with Tesla. But if you look at what he's trying to do in the impact to get us to get us out of fossil fuel, and I'm not there's there's a lot of stuff the man does that he may not agree with, and he may not be the most exemplar of a leader. But when he talks about what he does and why he does it, then Tesla makes sense because it fits his why, even though the market is weird, like he wouldn't start a car company. But Solar City also goes into that and the Tesla roof tiles go into that and 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 the power wall it all makes sense because his why is clear and he has an amazing twitter feed that a, too he, it's a lot of fun to watch him come back at people but i think that's creative vision right so but he stuck to it and i think when when apple had steve jobs their vision was innovative product and product that that made people's lives better without steve jobs the products are well we need a new version because it's april and we should launch a new version do do, do you maybe a question do you remember the reaction but that's reactive right do, do you remember the reaction people had to the ipad when it was announced mine's blown because it was stupid 
No, no, no. No, it was stupid. Yes. It was it was ridiculed. It was ridiculed. Maybe in the Netherlands. <laughs> in Canada, <laughs> too. In Canada, for, too. For two weeks. But yeah. in the U.S., and then everybody bought one. Yeah. And, 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 then, and then it launched, and people started using it, and they found that it fit perfectly with what Apple was doing at the time. Do you know who loves their iPad? My two-year-old. She thinks it's amazing. It's the coolest. She's like, Daddy, I can watch Paw Patrol right on my... Yeah, you can, sweetie. Hey, let's go to a restaurant and not have you have an epic meltdown. Parents think they're great, too. iPad will go down as one of the, the, one of the greatest inventions of all time. That we never knew we needed until we had it. Yes. Creative. Can we not react back to the discussion towards creative and reactive? I have a question yeah. to Simon because you brought up the model. Is a, whether you're creative or reactive, is that a thing you are by nature, or is it when you are a, in a reactive state, is that in a reaction to something? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm far from being an expert in that that thing. I just. I think I think you have a behavior, and that behavior will be either reactive or creative. And and that's but so, but if that's the case. So it's, let's say I am a manager in a company, um, currently listening to this podcast, um, finding myself having sometimes reactive uh, decision making in my work. And you just um, told me that I'm probably not a good leader, well, whatever. You can't um, be a better leader. So if I understand better why I give reactive uh, actions to, to the people I lead or whatever, yeah. um, I can all also understand better how to give more creative actions. So is it just me by nature and how do I become more creative? Or did something happen to me in the past? Like, I don't know, I did not trust the people I lead and that's why I give reactive. Reactions. I, I don't know. Can you help me? No. I think this goes back to <laughs> <laughs> This is what I need, no, right? You're, so, you're a terrible consultant. The correct answer is it depends. So, so maybe, so, maybe so, we could also ask this experience here. Sorry. You mentioned yeah. before, Ryan, that uh, there are certain behaviors that, as a leader, that made you successful. So there are habits there. There are things you you know that work because you've seen empirical data so you, of it working. You can have, so, so I'm gonna, just going to build yeah. on that a little bit, you can have a, a reactive leader that is in a field that it doesn't matter if he's reactive or creative, he's going to be successful. It doesn't so, matter. So, to the question, <laughs> these, these bills must be paid. One autogram for um, just, yes. just, just a small disclaimer, everyone involved in this podcast is incredibly drunk. That's not true. That's not true. Some are mildly drunk. <laughs> I think incredibly is a very loaded word. Um, We're cutting this bit, by the way. No, this stays in. So but I want to maybe also check the question here. Is, could you be both? Is it exclusive or? or? I mean, could you be... Oh, creative and reactive yes depending yeah. on the context you of are. course you're you're human being you're like you're not perfect you're not perfect okay right so, but then let me ask you one question for me the question of apple we talked a lot about apple let's look at the apple ipod the ipod was reactive because they weren't the first on the market zoom no this was later but uh, there was there was the the um was the Creative, I think they had an MP3 player. There were a bunch of other MP3 players out there beforehand. But but now you're talking about products and not leadership. Okay. Yeah, but we also talked about the iPad before. Yeah, but I, 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 think, I think the issue was, mm -hmm. if, if you look at the iPod as a competing MP3 player, it was reactive, but it wasn't, compete, it wasn't a competing so MP3 player. Say, 
Six. It, it, it was a, it was an attachment to iTunes, which was creative. I, iTunes sucked at this time. Okay. It okay. wasn't still great, does. but it was Elf? creative because it was the first MP3 wait, player, wait, wait, which, wait. which was worthwhile, and they had this, a thousand songs in your pocket. This was the iPod. R Ralph, I'm going to interrupt you strongly right now. Okay, we're not talking about the creation of products or how creative products are. We're talking about how creative a leader is, and that's it. So how do you show up to your team? So there was, there was a leader who had to say, in a crowded iPod-ish market, yes, let's build a new product. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That's creative, That's a decision, right? right? That's an interesting decision. That's a strategy, the last one which is, is creative. Yeah. Three, one, zero. What I'm noticing here, and I keep getting back to it, two, is that uh, creative leaders, they uh, make decisions that seem sometimes like uh, um, they're reactive. But all these decisions give options, give space. But they, if they have a coherent vision, like Apple, the options they create are still coherent. And that's the main difference between like Apple in the Jobs era versus like Microsoft in the Homer <coughs> era, right? Uh, um, because Microsoft did a lot of stuff and they created a lot of options, but there was no coherence. So. I think if like you're reacting, you're losing. That, and they were reacting. Right? right? If you're explaining, you're losing. If you're reacting, you're losing. Yeah. If you're leading, you've got a shot. And I, and I really, I've landed there with a lot of my thinking. Now, I think sometimes a decision just needs to be made. Something needs to get done. We need to put something in the market. We need to do some inspection, some adaptation, see what people think. Yeah. But that can still be done with a creative stance. Uh, it has to. Like, it can be done with the creative uh, stance. And, and, and I like to differentiate sure. between revenue ex extraction and value creation. Yeah. And I think it's always you have to find, if you put the best possible product, highest possible value, but nobody knows about it. You need to have marketing, so you need to think about revenue extraction, but if you only focus on revenue extraction, this is for me like where the, uh, the responsive mode is more like, and the reactive mode is in. Because it's inauthentic. Just, yeah, you just try to pull out and make people work harder to yeah. get more uh, profit There's, and so on, but yeah. if you, uh, if you not, if, on, on the other side of the scale, if you don't create new value by being innovative, by being creative, you bleed yourself to death in the long run. So there's a Dutch marketing guru, uh, Jos Burgers, who who's done a lot of a uh, lot of work into this, and 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 one of one of the things that he propagates is that as as a, as a company, you have to choose who your customer is, um, and and Sinek in a way does this as well when he describes uh, Southwest, because Southwest doesn't have classes. Um, Whereas if you're in a if you're in an airline that has multiple classes, so first class, business class, uh, and economy class, you're going to wait in line in economy class, and you're going to see the first class people pass you by, and 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 your reaction is, well, yeah, obviously they paid six times as much for their ticket, so who cares? Um, and actually, and one of the, the passengers who have to walk by a first class or business class seat are like six times more likely to have a, a behavioral issue on the flight. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating. So, so what Jules Burgers does is, is he argues <coughs> that any company that, that, that kind of goes for, 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 let's say, maximum revenue extraction, if you ask the question, who's your, who's your customer, they're going with, with, uh, to answer that with the dollar. Whoever, whoever's willing to pay. Yeah. 
and 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 one of the things is that, and this is a bit of a ludicrous example like let's let's take the average dutch person for instance if you're going to say we're going to sell this to everyone who is the average dutch person i'm very simple example he has one breast one testicle is about one meter fifty <laughs> and eleven years old that's your average customer and that's ludicrous that's a, that's stupid right i'm not sure if i have to if i have to cut this or not i think it's okay yeah so 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 here's the thing Who's, i'm going to make a creative call yeah. here not reactive if 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 you're building a product and you have a vision on that product who is your customer and i think those companies that are very clear in these are our customers these are these are the people that go first class with us yeah and these are people sure we'll service them if they want to buy our product but they're not our primary customer that's a creative decision a reactive decision is we're going to sell to everyone who's willing to pay for it i think a creative decision in a in today's north american fortune 500 is to be a vp who reaches out and builds a team that's truly cross-functional, um, gives them the space to do really inventive things from not only a development, but an HR, finance, legal compliance, really get them involved in those discussions and decisions, um, and also take the body shots when things don't go right. And I think that's creative leadership in North America today. And it's really risky, and it's really scary, and so I think that's why it's really rare. So it's risky and but scary. But essential. But what? But but the way you phrase it, it's scary, because you say he's going to have to take the body shot. Because there will be a body shot. But but why isn't it the like the team and the company that takes the body shot? Because if the team takes the body shot, they don't trust the leader and they go back to the old method. What I what I have found, but and, the, and the I, thing, I may not be right. The, the thing is that if there's a shot and there's a body shot. Let's let's focus on okay. So we we uh, learned, yeah, right. We learned. W was it a mistake? Well, or are we going to do that again? At a certain level of leadership, though, you failed. And so now, what are you going to do to make it so, so that it never let's, ever let's, happens let's, again? Let's tug on this. You're you're in a complex field. You don't know what you don't know. How do you feel? Great. What, I what, personally feel great. What, what 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 is failure? Failure is 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 something happening that you could have prevented. But if you're truly embracing complexity, and you're assuming a professionalism in people, they'll if if something goes wrong, that has nothing to do with failure and everything to do with new information. And if uh, I control the the entire perception, you're right. Yeah. But there's levels above. Yeah. And so an unmet expectation occurred, yeah. which led to the, the disconnect. Yeah. So if the body shot is happening, um, we're at the wrong level of leadership here. Well, it, I think I think Fair. Ryan's point point is like it has to be. It, we have to start some somewhere, and and that leader needs. If there's a shot, that leader needs to be taking it. From a from a Scrum.org perspective, right. we've decided to start at the middle manager level. Um, and in my experience, and and I I don't know what. I don't know what it's like in the in the Netherlands. I'm not sure what it's like for Ralph. You're all over. I think you're the most active trainer uh, in the world, actually. Um, but I, what we have found is that middle management is where rubber meets the road. That is where the the true trials and tests come up. And if we can get middle management to believe in empiricism, to believe that you cannot plan complexity perfectly, if we can get them to believe that um, we need to see things. We need to see real things before we can make real decisions. We can win. 
if we can't get to that spot, we're going to struggle. And now we're talking, you know, to to Simon's point, we're talking at different levels of leadership. But right now, the focus is at that that middle, because if they're not on board, everything dies. Mm-hmm. A middle manager, I think, is one of the most powerful people in a company because. They report to a person at a VP level who doesn't want to be embarrassed, so they're empowered to not embarrass someone higher up, and so they have full authority and autonomy to crush things that could be embarrassing. This is the space we're working in. We're working in a space that without the proper um, education, caveats, um, safeguards, whatever you want to call it, people get embarrassed because we... We learn, which can be misinterpreted as failure, which has not been socialized correctly. It's like this whole cascading thing, which is why we've set our, our target right now at that middle manager. Does that make sense? So, so um, yes, but I think you're kind of setting up a trap here because we've empowered someone to not embarrass someone up top. Um, we 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 want to educate that person. We want to enable them, and we want him to ena- him or her to enable others. Um, at the same time, we all recognize that it is a complex space and that learning experience is inevitable. And unfortunately, learning experience, uh, a complexity, results in what is perceived to be failure. So, given that failure is inevitable, in such the learning in, is inevitable. The learning is inevitable, and the perception up top is going to be that that is failure. Aren't we then kind of setting that middle manager up to fail? In I think a way? we're setting that middle manager up to be a catalyst for change, <laughs> and that's what we're trying to do with Pal. That's what we're trying to do with product owner. I have I have an idea. I'm I'm, I'm just thinking about. I'm listening, like, and I I hear, you know, failure, failure, and stuff. Like, how does it feel when you fail? Let's let's tackle failure right now. Like, how does it feel when you fail? Kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer. Okay, so that's a mild feeling. Like, how does it feel when you fail? Blech. Right, you want to throw up? You. That's the alcohol yeah. talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, all right. And We're so, not what, there what, yet. what happens when you fail? So you feel you bombed, like you, you feel you, bad you, about yourself. Are you mad? Are you sad? Are you like disappointed? Dis- disappointed? You're like yeah, disconnected. Sure. You get disconnected or something, right? So this is where where your behavior will matter. Right? When you fail as a leader, this is where how you show up will matter. And this is where a reactive person will will differ from a creative person. And the creative person, I think, in my... So when I have been in this spot, I have made a point to say, how fascinating. Yes. What should we do now? Yes. And that has changed... That has made all the difference. Yes. So you're... you're, you're um, authentic with with the situation you're pointing it out you're like okay this is the situation there and now like what can we do to grow out from there right you don't go and blame something no no right blaming would be a way to protect yourself right right so this is what what we're talking when we're we're saying like a reactive person is is protecting protective Right, starting blaming some someone else or um, cr- criticizing someone else or having like making a distance. We're like, oh, this is this is their fault, and we're just gonna make our like like. Hey, we're not holding the bag. Yeah, we're not holding. They're holding the bag. It's their fault. So you're blaming someone else, like making a distance with them. So the the the, the creative leader will be um, will have integrity in that situation. 
What does it mean to, to, be, to be that person? I think to be creative, you need to be authentic. You need to believe in yourself. You need to believe in, in, in your idea. And, and, and I think if, if you embody all of those, those features, people are happy to follow you. And then you can create great stuff. And, and essentially, you would then be able to really tell them why is it important what you're doing or the golden circle thing. You know, tell people how, they, how this will be, provide a big impact for so many other people. So and then they will go and do the work. So let's build on that. And when you fail as a creative leader, how does it feel? Amazing, because you learn something. There's an opportunity. And you, can, and you have an opportunity to make a new decision based on new information. Maybe, maybe not even uh, amazing for certain failures. I think ambivalent for a lot of them as well. If they're bound to happen, you know, you're, and it's not even failure, right? It's just you're encountering new information. It's bound to happen. Sure, you look at that information. Some of it is useful. Some of it isn't. But for for a large part, it's not going to have that much of an impact. It depends, right? It depends. The, the outcome yeah. of the failure it depends on the outcome of the failure yeah, but I'm, I'm I'm in a way pretty sure that it's not going to have that much of an emotional it's 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 not going to be jubilation unless it's like really like whoa they're buying this instead of this you know um, but I think for most guys it's like huh that's weird let's yeah, move what on do we do? What, are, yeah, what do we do what should we do now yeah. where do we go yeah I think that's the that's the difference. Instead of reactive, of freaking out, right? Go do this. Go do this. Go do this. Figure out what's the story. What do we do? All right, we have an opportunity to make a new decision. Let's grab some of our stakeholders and see what's up. Could there be a difference between? I think as a creative person, you have to be brave. Yeah. Because a reactive mode, a reactive mode. I think it's kind of all about managing fear, your own fear, and you do try to get in control of that by delegating work doing with other people, telling them what to do, blaming them if they fail. But if, if you're really brave and if you trust the environment, the structure you have built, you have created the network around all of that, you can have, let, let go and let people do the work. Well, and if you have a team where you're like, oh, I would never trust them to do that, why are they on your team? Like, what have you done? What have, what have you? Who have you surrounded yourself with? Yeah. How did that right? happen? That's a red right question. Yeah, I've 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 actually used that argument in the past where you go, ah, we can't have these people self-organize and be responsible for all of those things. I'm like, oh my god, we have to go to HR and fire every one of them. They're doing a terrible job hiring people. Well, no, we can't do that because I hired <clears throat> them and said they were great. And then the question is, well, what did you do to them that would make you think you can't trust them now? Yeah. Ooh, that can get you kicked out as a consultant. <laughs> but but what a here's, question. Here's here's you you as a creative consultant or a reactive consultant. Are you are you willing to be authentic? Sure. Oh, I Ryan's good at getting yelled at. <laughs> so uh, that's another topic I think consultant stuff. But I think it's good that we've actually we've come to this like this this tangential point because we're actually out of our time box. Right, so we've actually we're about to that hour where the listeners have said they, the listeners have spoken. They've said if you go over an hour, I'm going to shut it off. And so I've said, okay, I won't go over an hour. And so I think we've had a fun little conversation here, um, kind of a European flavor too. I'm the it's the first time I've been the only American 
sitting on a show or in a room like this. It's kind of odd, but it's also really it's interesting to get the different viewpoints. And so I really appreciate everyone who's participated here. Um, I mean, at this point, it's really open. Like I, I really like promoting my friends, and everyone here is a, a Scrum.org trainer. Um, I consider them colleagues and um, really great at what they do. So I certainly would welcome you if you've participated. Please tell us more about yourself, how people can, can, can continue the conversation with you. If you have books, materials, anything you'd like to promote, uh, the floor is open. The, the platform is yours. Uh, Simon, Simon Bork, my, my North American Canadian friend, how can people continue the conversation with you when you're not scaling rock faces and oh yeah and in nature well um there's two ways yet you can reach me you can reach me through my website borksoftware.com um or through linkedin just look look me up uh, we'll link to it uh right so simon bork uh, b-o-u-r-k there's only one of them thankfully yes <laughs> will how can people continue the conversation? I don't get a. I, I don't get an introduction then. Uh. No, Will is like my. What do, what do you say? My my brother from another motherland. Mother from land. another motherland. <laughs> so he's my 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 Netherlands brother. Um, so yeah, Will. I you so, know I love you. Yeah. How can people talk to you? I know. Um, I'm reachable through LinkedIn. That's probably going to be the primary channel. Uh, if you look for Wilbert uh, Sela, S E E L E. Uh, I'll pop up. I do the occasional blog post. Uh, I've shown up on some podcasts, this one and also Shoot's uh, podcast, who's coming up next. Um, I work through Pro Awareness, so if you want to uh, hire me to uh, uh, ask annoying questions, then uh, that website is probably going to be uh, your best entry point. We'll put a link out to it. Yeah, let's get in touch. All right. Cool, so then it's my turn. Um, I'm here to represent Twitter, I think. So you can reach me at Twitter, uh, at, uh, at shortly. Um, I uh, have a podcast, it's currently paused. What? I so have that's a good. Uh, yeah, we'll it's two. Two minutes, we'll go. Yeah, okay. it's okay, two minutes, two minutes is okay. But then it's one second, and now in lobby visits in Scandal. Okay. Okay? Thanks, so there is yeah, a, there is an extra podcast um, on product ownership. It's called the the product owner podcast, product owner perspective. What? Yes, it, it does exist, <sighs> but it's not as prolific as. Uh, hey, as I hope. Here. I hope. Hey, yeah. check it out. We all need new. We need we need new content. So I'm sure it's wonderful. Yeah, so there's there's check it. I'll link now. To it. There's more coming, uh, and of course, just like anyone else, LinkedIn is great. So I'm learning every day. I'm looking forward to learning with you. Awesome. And we will uh, we'll share the podcast and hey I have, we need more content so awesome. All right, who's next? So, um, Ari from Switzerland, Ari Weiland, professionalscrum.ch. Um, mostly listening tonight and uh, over to Rob. I know it's the one guy with the perfect radio voice who stayed silent. So that's <laughs> yes, kind of Sorry for that. No, Ari. <laughs> Ari is a. <laughs> He's another one of the awesome trainers from the the community, and uh, if you're in the if you're in Switzerland, uh, both he and Ralph and a, a number of other trainers work out of there. They're all great, so check them out. Ralph, 
This is Ralph and uh, I apologize for my voice. I'm just recovering from a really bad cold, so it's kind of like still sounding a little bit horrible. Um, so I'm Ralph Jokam. I'm uh, currently based in, in Bern, Switzerland. Uh, I have my own company, consulting, training, coaching company, EffectiveAgile.com. You can find me there. Uh, and as mentioned before from, by Ryan, uh, Don McGrill, uh, he's a PSPO steward in the same way I am and we put our heads together a couple of years ago, two years ago, and we wrote a book, The Professional Scrum Product Owner, which is out since June this year and it's doing uh, last year, 2018, and it's doing pretty well. Actually, it's now being translated into Chinese and into German. So there is actually a big demand. So, um, yeah, but Check yeah, reach out, out to we'll me if it. you need a training, anything about product ownership, uh, let me know. And last but not least, up y'all. Uh, my name is Guido. Um, they'll probably put a link in uh, somewhere because my last name is unpronounceable in English. Um, uh, been a uh, professional scrum trainer for two years now, training in the Netherlands mostly. Uh, so if you wanna follow a PSM or PSM2 class, which is full of fun, humor, improv, acting, and a lot of confrontation, hit me up. Um, write an occasional blog post. Latest one was about that I'd like to have Scrum Masters and Ezra coaches finally stop team coaching because it doesn't work. Ooh. And if you're wondering about why, just read my blog. It's up on Scrum.org. And if you're a Dutchie, uh, just look it up on LinkedIn and I'll see you there. Cheers. All right, everybody, thank you. This was uh, another one of these international off the iPhone, sitting at dinner, waiters trying to get us to pay our tabs kind of, exactly. kind of talks. But... Uh, I think these are the most fun. Like it's just a relaxed group of uh, of scrum people talking about leadership and training and talking about decision making and companies and products. And hopefully you got something interesting out of out of it. Leave a comment at the bottom of the post. Uh, let us know your questions for next time. If you want to keep hearing from people, uh, agilist trainers from around the world. I love traveling. I'm happy to go out and get into the world and bring them forward. We've got it tons of people all over the the world and the globe who can uh can join us and so let me know tell me if you like this if you like these dinner conversations um leave a comment twitter at ryan ripley uh, but otherwise thanks for listening thanks for sticking through this and uh yeah have a great evening Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on.